Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on questions and denials of the great. Awesome. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I sense God doing something amazing today, super specific super specific today he is just uh just that song set just where we went and worship was such adoration today did you notice that just such adoration of jesus just such love songs today how about there is a man did y'all do you know that's a redemption music song as well That's going to be on this recording. I'm talking about some powerful, powerful stuff. But there is just such a revealing of the Father's heart today through Jesus. I mean, he is just, I mean, this is like, today is one of those really sappy Hallmark movies. He is, he is just wooing and being super sappy today with us. And it feels so good, doesn't it? You just sense him just loving on you just so tenderly, just breaking away every resistance that you have to his love. It's so powerful, and I'm so excited to share just in that vein today. I believe he's just doing something super specific, super specific. Matthew chapter 11, start in verse 2. Now... While John the baptizer was in prison, he heard about what Christ was doing among the people. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. If I had a title today, I would say questions of the greats. Questions of the greats. Hey, baby. How's it going? (laughs) Questions of the greats. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Are you really the one prophesied would come? John the Baptist, right? A voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. Wait, are you the one? Or should I go prepare the way for another? You know, I'm in jail. It's going to be hard. So prophesied would come or should we wait for another? Jesus answered them, give John this report. The blind see again. The crippled walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, the poor are and broken now hear of the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. Another translation says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. Blessed are those who are not offended in me. How do you, what is offense? Who's done the bait of Satan with us? John Bevere, the bait of Satan. We've done it in life groups. Scandalon, right? The offense is rooted in unmet expectations. Okay? So let's have that as our foundation. Those that don't feel that I haven't met their expectations and have become offended with me. 
no matter what happens. Those that don't decide that I'm not enough and get upset with me, no matter what happens, those are the blessed. And so, obviously, he's telling John something there, right? After John asked him if he's the one. John, this is not the time to get offended. This is not the time to look at your current circumstance and your current situation and make a determination that I must not be the Messiah because you're in jail. This is not time for that. As they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What kind of man did you see when you went out into the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? Who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in the splendid fashion of the day? Those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in palaces. Or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past, but he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of this scripture. See, I'm sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. For I tell you the truth, throughout history, there has never, say never. You know what the uh, Greek is for that in the Bible, right? Never. It's never. Never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer. There's never been a man that has surpassed John the baptizer, the man who asked if I'm really even the Messiah. Yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom realm will become even greater than he. All right? So here's what I want to address today. John, there's never been one greater Yet he, well, actually, let's go to this. John chapter one. Let's just go ahead and read this first. This will be context. John chapter one, 29. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized, and John cried out. Okay? John saw Jesus coming to him and cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. I told you that a mighty one would come who is far greater than I am because he existed long before I was born. My baptism was for the preparation of his appearing to Israel, even though I've yet to experience him. Then as John baptized Jesus, he spoke this these words, I see the spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him and it rested upon him from that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And now I've seen with discernment, I can tell you for sure that this is, that this man is the son of God. 
right? God told me when I baptize this person, the Holy Spirit is going to descend like a dove, land on him and remain, and I'm going to speak from heaven. This is my, he didn't even tell me he was going to do that, but he just added that in the experience. Isn't that awesome? You're going to see this sign of the dove, but not only did he see the dove, but God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Remember that, John. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he says, I can tell you for sure that this man is the son of God. Okay, you're not reading this wrong. This is the same person. Hey, are you the Messiah? Isn't it amazing what our circumstances can do to our revelation? I love something Bill Johnson always says is never let a question trump revelation. It's okay to have questions, but don't let it trump revelation. So our circumstances and our situations, and I just come today to talk to somebody, your circumstances and your situations have clouded your view, have clouded your mind, have caused you to question who God is. I know we're all church folk and we're all, but I'm just telling you, somebody, you're questioning who God is. And John was the greatest to ever live. But it says those that are experiencing this kingdom realm now, you guys know that's the realm that we're experiencing. Where the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of us. We are experiencing a realm of the kingdom that was never experienced before. Jesus came and died and rose again and sent his Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to come. We're living in a realm which means the least of us is greater than John the Baptist. But if John the Baptist is, is subject to the possibility of being offended with God, then I have to believe the Sunday morning crowd at the Great Redemption Life Church has some people in it that are subject to be offended with God. Some of you say, well, if I was offended, I wouldn't be here. That could be true. Or you could just be here but not be here. You might be here because, well, I wouldn't want to put this on you, but it could be pride that you don't want people to think you're not spiritual, even when you're not spiritual, right? You know, I preached that before. You can be in church and not in church. So I just have to believe I sense there's been a wearying and it's caused people to sit. You know, I was, I've been, <laughs> I don't know how to, I just thought, I was getting ready to use a word and I don't know how to say it in that context. <laughs> Muling around is what I wanted to say. Mauling around, mauling around. I, I, I did all four of them in my head in that amount of time and then I was like, I don't know which one to say. Say it again. Mulling around like the mole singing convention. Just mulling around. Who in here knows? Let me see. Let me see who in here knows about the mole singing convention. Come on. That's the remnant right there. 
There's a remnant. There is a remnant. Been mull, amen. They've been mulling around this idea this week that if you're not for me, you're against me. Do you know what the next verse of that says? I've heard that forever. But the next verse says, those that don't gather with me, scatter. If we're not actually in the gathering process, we're scattering. That's not my sermon. I'm not there right now. But I'm just saying there is a way to be offended with God without demonstrating great anger towards God. It's called indifference towards God. Just unmet expectations so I no longer have expectations. I wouldn't say that I'm angry. I just don't really think this is going to do anything, but I'm still going to come because everyone expects me to come. If John the Baptist, who leapt in his mother's womb when he got close to Jesus in Mary's womb, could then wonder if he's the Messiah... I would say, let me just do this. I would say that you could just break off some of the shame right now that you're a little bit disillusioned and confused about some things in your life. Can we just do that? That's one of my, one of my reasons for sharing this today because somebody, not only do you have unmet expectations and you're processing through frustration with God, but heaped on top of that is shame and guilt just because you have questions about God. But if John the Baptist is subject to have some questions, then I think you can let that burden go of guilt and shame. And you can just rest knowing that God is going to prove himself faithful again and again because holy, 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 complete and lacking nothing is he. So John the Baptist knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew it was Jesus, the Messiah, but yet he still struggled. Now, I was thinking this week, what, what, if, what makes us struggle the most? And here's what I've come down to, pain and pleasure. I think people refuse God to take his place, his rightful place in their life because of one of two things. They get offended over pain or they get enticed in pleasure. We look at the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. He wanted to go and revel in his inheritance and party hardy, and so he left the father's house. But he ended up in a pig pen. And he came to his right mind and he came back. Whether it's pain or whether it's pleasure, the path home is still the same. And he's there with arms are open wide that we've been singing this morning. Holy, 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 complete and lacking nothing. Matthew 11 continues. See, sometimes we take, you know, it's amazing. We can quote scripture. We know these little tidbits. We know these little pieces of scripture. And you know that those little scriptures mean something completely different when you read them in context. 
Because Jesus wasn't a soundbite that just made little verses. Put a quarter in me or, or squeeze me like Teddy Rutspin and I'll make a verse. I'll make a little saying. No, he spoke the Father's heart and it was recorded in the Word and it all goes together. So you can't read about John the Baptist having questions without continuing to read the same chapter. You think Jesus was just sitting there talking to people and telling them a story about John the Baptist and then just daydreamed off and then just started talking about another verse? And then just stop there and, hey, somebody, let's move to verse number 23 now. Because, you know, he talked and, you know, it was all broken down in chapter and verse. And then we'll just start another thing. And then they can put those notes in your Bible that change the headings and the subjects throughout the same message, right? But you got to read it in context. So he keeps going. Matthew eleven sixteen. Let's keep going. Don't you understand? How could I describe the people of this generation? You're like children playing games on the playground, yelling at their playmates. You don't like it when we want to play wedding, and you don't like it when we want to play funeral. You will neither dance nor mourn. Why is it that when John came to you, neither feasting or drinking wine, you said he has a demon in him? Yet when the Son of Man came and went to feast and drank wine, you said, look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all his time with tax collectors and other affluent sinners. But God's wisdom will be visibly seen living in those who embrace it. Blessed are those who are not offended with me no matter what happens. John is great. He wants to reaffirm. But all of you that now have the opportunity to partake of this kingdom, you're greater, even the least of you. But you're still going to have the opportunity to be offended. And so then he just kind of points out some deficiencies of the generation. And in essence, what he's saying here is whether they play a fast song or a slow song, whether they got pews or chairs, whether they play Hillsong or Gaither, whether they wear a suit and tie or Jordans and jeans, you don't want to dance with any of them. You have made man, you remember that little verse I read last week from Romans chapter one where you've traded the truth for a lie and you've put people in the place of God and you've worshiped people instead of God. You've worshiped the created instead of the creator. That's what we do when we worship people and methodologies and we worship how people worship. And we worship personalities and we worship all these things and then we just open ourselves up to offense because people, my feet, are like your feet. They're made out of flesh and they're clay. And if John the Baptist can wonder if Jesus is real, then I can do something stupid too. 
So we set ourselves up for offense, but whether we want to play this or we want to play that, he's saying John the Baptist acted this way and you rejected him. I acted the opposite, you rejected me. Pretty much you're just people looking to reject people. And what I found in the church today is we are so, I believe the itching ears of today are not for a gospel that says we can sin. We don't even care if we can sin. We just want to hate somebody. Our itching ears is, I hope I can hear a teaching that licenses me to hate somebody. And I don't know where we've got there. I don't know how we've got there. You look at my social media, it's not very active because God forbid I post anything. I'm not as smart as the rest of my friends. They know everything. I told you all that last week. I did think about heavily a post yesterday. I just didn't get time to write it, but I was going to say, for all of my friends that have asked me to unfriend you if I believe certain things contrary to the way you believe, I didn't. Guess you'll just have to determine if I'm friend-worthy the old-fashioned way instead of based upon my political preferences. <laughs> Maybe you'll have to see if I have integrity enough to remain your friend or if I'm really a white supremacist because I did not share the last thing you shared about something that I didn't agree with or I didn't do this or I'm, you know, whatever. I live with it. You don't know. You might have a really bad person in your friend list because I didn't unfriend you. And I don't post enough for you to know what I believe, so you just have to guess. I like that guy, but maybe he's the one. That's super bad. I don't know what our issue is. We just want an excuse, I feel, to be disconnected from body. We want an excuse. I mean, I'm ready. I mean, there's a target of 10 miles wide on my back. I already know. I mean, if somebody wants to reject church and fellowship with believers, they can't just reject it because then you're not spiritual. So there has to be something wrong with the church, and I'm the guy up here in the front. So nine times out of ten, it's got to be me. So I got this awesome meme from Chuck Norris where he just does this. This is my response now. You're an idiot. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, you should chase after them more. You chase after them. I ain't chasing after them. Oh, I'm meddling now, ain't I? All right, here we go. Let's get away from that. So, we find all kinds of fault. That's sometimes our excuse. We find all kinds of faults. See, he's still, he's play, he, he, he gave a message to John, but then he's given us some teaching. He's given us some teaching as to how to avoid offense. 
Don't be so critical about what kind of music they're playing. Don't be so critical about whether they fast or not. Don't be so critical. That's what he's saying, right? Don't be so prone to reject the next thing that comes down the pike because you think you know everything about everything. Go on to verse 20. Oh, it gets pretty heavy here. Then Jesus began to openly denounce the cities where he had done most of his mighty miracles because the people failed to turn away from sin and return to God. He said, how tragic it will be for the city of Chorazin and how horrible for the city of Bethsaida for if the powerful miracles that I performed in Chorazin and Bethsaida had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have humbled themselves and repented and turned from their sins. Tyre and Sidon would be better off on judgment than you. In Calpurnium, do you really think you'll be exalted because of the great miracles I've done there? No, you'll be brought down to the depths of hell because of your rejection of me. For if the miracles I worked in your streets were done in Sodom, it would still be standing today. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for the region of Sodom in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Man, we just got super heavy, didn't we? I did, right? I got super heavy. Oh, no, I just read the Bible, right? Man, he was beating us up. Oh, I just read the Bible. I'm sorry. I know we're so used to skipping all those verses, right, and telling you really other things, but I just decided not to skip them today because he didn't skip them. So we're greater than John the Baptist because of the error that we live in. He said, you know, all the, pro, all the Pharisees and all the people in the past, he said, they have no excuse because I've displayed myself through all of creation. But how much less of an excuse do we have now that he's displayed himself through his son and he sent his Holy Spirit to us? And yet we still question and we still get offended and if people from Sodom you know Sodom and Gomorrah the towns that were destroyed because of the sin was that that was there that's so much different than where we are today you know what I mean we're we they were really bad people there you know but if they had lived and seen the display of the kingdom that we're living in, Jesus said they would have repented. Yet we're offended. What John the Baptist saw, we're like, oh my goodness, that's a no-brainer, my Lord. God told you that the dove was going to fall on a man that you baptized and it happened and you're still questioning? I bet I could take every person in this room and tell the same story. Wow. God did that in your life. God did that in your life. God did that in your life. God saved you from that. God restored you from that. God kept you from that. And then your circumstances change and we kind of forget what God has done and then we begin to be offended and question him. but it happens to the best. Wait, you took the shame off earlier and now you're putting it back on. No, I'm not putting it back on. 
not putting shame on you. We're going to keep reading. What's amazing is, okay, so that's heavy, right? That's so heavy. But if you keep reading, he ends this chapter, he ends this teaching, let's be clear. Are you weary? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, carrying a heavy burden, then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. That's the kingdom that we're experiencing that makes us more liable for being offended. Do you understand? So all he's saying is, just don't be offended. Just bring it to me. Bring your weariness to me. Don't turn away from me. Don't turn your back on me. Don't run from me. I understand you have questions. I understand you have concerns. I understand that you feel like some of your expectations haven't been met. You're weary, but come to me. I'll reiterate to you again that my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I think it's the opposite. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just see if y'all pay attention. Peter, my goodness. Peter, here it is in uh, Matthew 6 66 through 69. We won't read that, but there's Jesus is telling them that they've got to drink his blood and eat his flesh. To the disciples, the larger group of disciples, and many people quit following him because they got offended, and he asked his small group of disciples, are y'all going to turn around? And Peter says, where would we go? You're the only one that has the words of life. I'm just asking if you're offended with God, where are you going? If you feel that he hasn't met your expectations, who's going to meet him? What's your plan? What's your game plan? Who's got a better shot? Who's got a better average of fulfilling your desires in this world than him? Maybe we're just distracted. Maybe we just, maybe he's not let us down. Maybe we're just blinded by our situation. Where else are you going to go? Peter knew there was nowhere else to go. Later on in Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say this, some say this, some say this. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, blessed are you that you have this revelation. He knew that he was the son of God. When Jesus is telling them in John 13 that I'm going away, Simon Peter says, where are you going? I want to go. And he says, you, you don't want to go where I'm going. You can't go where I'm going. He says, I'll die for you. And he says, really? Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You know what the very next verse, man, this is one of my favorite 
passages in the whole Bible because it's just, I think, communicates the heart of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now, if this wasn't laid out in chapter and verse, you would just, the very next sentence would be, but don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to curse and say you don't know me because you're afraid. But don't let your heart be troubled. I got you. I got you. We knew when we started this whole thing that you couldn't be perfect, so I got you. You couldn't make your own place, so I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to take your shame. I'm going to take your guilt. I'm going to take your sin, and I'm going to make a place for you to live in, in freedom. Don't let your heart be troubled. So there's people here today, I believe, are offended. You've messed up. You've cursed God. You've, you've been angry at God. You've not understood God, and you've want, thought he's let you down. And we've lived it out in all kinds of different expressions of rebellion and maybe not, just indifference. Peter, he's asked by the girl, do you know him? Matthew 26, he denies three times. The last times vehemently denies and curses. Says, I don't know this man. Peter and John were some of the greats. Some of the greatest. Peter, upon this rock, this revelation you have, this revelation is so powerful, I'm going to build a church upon it, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. But you and your flesh will deny it for a season and have to come back to it. The beauty, I believe it's John 21, when Jesus comes to Peter fishing in a boat, and he comes and he has an encounter with him, and Peter sees Jesus, and when he realizes it's him, he jumps off the boat and swims to the shore to see him. And God is so perfect, complete, and lacking nothing, holy, holy, holy. He restores and redeems, and he undoes everything that the enemy tries to do to destroy us. And I think it's so beautiful that he asked Peter three times, do you love me? You denied me three times, Peter. Do you love me? That one's gone. Wait, I got to get my three fingers. Do you love me? That one's gone. Do you love me? That one's gone. Do you love me? That one's gone like it never happened. He just completely undone it. Undid it. Sorry. He undone, done, he done undone it. First Corinthians 10, 13, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. 
Another translation says, there's no temptation that's befallen you except that is common to man. This stuff that you think is extreme and no one else understands and no one else has been through it, the greatest have been through it. <laughs> the greatest have been through it. It's common. It's normal for every human being, but God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. I just want to keep going with that. Jesus, Jesus, how, come on up here and play. How I, and sing quickly. How I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust. Can you guys stand up with me today? Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust. Opportunity to trust him more for along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. I don't care. I've said this before. The greatest lie ever told is you can't get there from here. I used to drive a crane truck for a sign company and we'd go to these places to put signs up and I'd stop at a little gas station and I'd say, how do I get to this place? And they'd say to me, all the time, you can't get there from here. And I'd say, do you know where it is? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd say, have you ever been there? They'd say, yeah. And I said, well, how did you get from there to here? I'm not saying it's a, short, a straight shot. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it's whatever. But if you're somewhere now and you were somewhere else before, you can get there from here. And that's the greatest lie ever told. You can't get there from here. Prayer team, will you come? Dude, our society... Our culture, our world today is wearying. I looked over to somebody today and I was like, I just don't like this place anymore. Yet we're still the salt for this place. 
And if the salt has lost its savor, what good is it? If the church becomes disillusioned and complacent and wearied, then what is the hope from the world that is disillusioning us? There has to be a banner. There has to be a standard. There has to be a group of people that still believe, that put their hope and their faith and their trust in God alone and are a sign and a wonder to the world. I want to be that people. I know this is a delicate thing today and people may not want to step out and let people see that I have questions because questions are so taboo. But I think it's a wonderful time today to come and be encouraged to be strengthened and find agreement. His arms are open wide. So God, here we are. Here we are. All of us living different lives, facing different situations, different trials, different circumstances. But your word says that whatever we're facing, it's common to man. And every human goes through these things. So we recognize the lie today that what we're facing is insurmountable. What we're facing is impossible. Our coldness, our hardness, and we think, I'll never feel again. I'll never, I'll never be sensitive again. I'll never be, I'll never be where I was, or I'll never walk the way I walked. I'll never have the power and the revelation and authority that I had before. I've just become disillusioned. I've just completely let questions cloud my mind and I walk around with no certainty. Today, I just refuse to believe that lie. And whatever step it takes, I just want to take a step back in the right direction. I'm not going to believe the lie that I can't get there from here. I'm not going to believe the lie that I'll never have the faith I once had. I'm going to take a step in the right direction. I'm just going to meet him with his arms open wide. I've come to my right mind. And I'm returning to holy, 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 complete and lacking nothing. So wherever you are today, you can in your seat, just make an altar. You can lift your hands where you are. You can come down and just find agreement with one of these prayer team members today. I just need prayer about a situation in my life. I, I, I'm not offended with God. I don't think I'm offended with God. I'm not angry, but I'm struggling. I just, I'm being bombarded with things in my mind. Just come down and have someone pray with you and agree with you today. Can we just take a few minutes today before we dismiss?
You can just pray in your seat. You can come down and have a prayer here. If you guys will sing something. Let's just respond to the love song that's been being sung today. We just respond to the love song that you've sung over us today. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.